Hi everyone, good evening. Charlotte here from Enriching Environments for Top Tip Tuesday on Tuesday the 30th of November and welcome to this evening's session. I'll give everyone a few moments to come in and to get sorted and to get what you need to be comfortable for this session. Oh, two people joined straight away. Hi, everyone who's joined. Hi. Hi, Tatenda. Thanks for joining everyone. And as you're all coming in, I'd love to hear how your day has been. You can give me, you can send me an emoji if you want to, to let me know how your day was. Um, if I can find the squashy face emoji, I think that would be mine. I'm feeling a bit um, tired this evening after a busy day. So, shall we? I think everyone, hello everyone. I think everyone who wanted to join has started coming in. I think we can dive straight in. So, hi Neda. So, um, let's talk about answering those um, tricky questions that our children ask um, the tricky questions the no you know the ones that kind of make you freeze so when they ask about death when they ask about how babies are made when they ask about inequality that they see around them when they notice inequality or injustice around them um, how do we answer those tricky questions um, and this is relevant for whatever age. So, you know, our three-year-old starts to ask tricky questions. And then of course our 15-year-old asks a different set of tricky questions. So the approach um, that we're gonna talk through this evening, what we're gonna discuss this evening is twofold. There's two things that we all um, need to know. We all can practice when answering difficult or tricky questions. Um, and the same, uh, I want to say rules, that sounds really strict. The same approach works regardless of the age of the child. And so um, there's two things, these two things to keep in mind is um, one, we only discuss topics with our children that they have um, or questions or issues that they have brought up themselves. So we don't need to have a conversation about death, for example, until either that something happens that directly affects them, so like a grandparent or a pet or um, something like that. Uh, we don't need to have a conversation about death until that happens. Um, uh, so if they're directly affected by it or they have, a, or obviously someone else, hit, they hear someone else talking about it and it affects them in that way. So don't bring up, um, we don't need to teach them about things until there is um, a reason to talk about talk about it. So that's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing is that we only answer the question that they are asking in that moment. So for example, we want to, they ask a question about why, about time zones. So why is it, why is it nighttime? Um, at grandma's house but it's daytime here for example you know in the world of zoom you know they're used to having experiencing different time zones because family members and friends are in different time zones all around the world so why is it nighttime at grandma's house but it's daytime here for example that's quite a common question that a young child asks around maybe four five six years old and the way we can answer that is um, really really simply 
We don't need to give a huge, great big explanation about time zones. We don't need to give a huge, great big explanation about how the solar system works and the moon orbiting the Earth and the sun orbiting the moon. We don't need to give any of those really big um, uh, explanations. What we can do instead is take a tennis ball, a tennis ball and a torch, a flashlight, um, and we can shine the, the, in a dark room and shine the torch onto the tennis ball and show them that when the, the torch is shining directly on the tennis ball, that one side is light, and then show that the shade, the shadow, on the other side, the one that the torch isn't showing on. So the tennis ball is the earth, the torch is the sun, and hence that's why there's day and night, because whatever, however the earth is rotating, that's how um, the sun is falling, so that decides whether it's day or night. So that's how we would explain something really, really, really simply. And we don't need to give our child any more than that. We rotate the tennis ball in our hand as the torch is, is uh, shining on it. And we can even put a little dot with a marker pen. And then we can rotate the ball in our hand as the torch is shining on it and say, this is what happens with the earth. This is the sun shining. The sun is static. The, uh, the earth is, is rotating. And um, whatever the torch is shining on, that's the sun. That's daytime. And the other side is nighttime. That's as simple as, as it needs to be. Concrete, um, right in front of them, and really, really simplistic. We don't need to give them any more information. And then as the conversation, that might be enough for that day. For a four-year-old, that might be enough for that day. But for an eight-year-old, more questions might come at a later time or straight away. But the key thing is, is that we answer the question that's being asked at that time. Um, I can give you another really example, about, a really good example about only answering the question that they ask. So when um, uh, Olivia first asked me um, what, uh, <laughs> thank you, when Olivia first asked me, oh, um, how, uh, I know you, I grew in your tummy, mummy, but how did I get there? How did I get in your tummy? And you think, you know, as a parent, you freeze thinking, oh my goodness, do I need to teach the whole thing about how babies are made? <gasps> Shock horror, I do not want to be teaching a six-year-old how babies are made. What do, what do you do? You have that moment of freeze, don't you? There's a panic, like, ah, where do I go with this? And so I answer truthfully, and I answer the question that she asked. And the question she asked is, how did I get there? Um, and so my answer is, when a girl is born, she has all of her eggs inside of her. And you were one of the eggs, and your brother Harry was one of those eggs, and that egg grew into you as a baby. Which is truthful. It's exactly uh, what she asked. And it's the right amount of information for her at that time. And um, we've, she's since then, we had that conversation, it must have been about yeah, about a year ago. She's coming up to seven, so it must have been a year ago. And we've come back to that several times. And she'll say, oh, tell me again about the egg. And then I've given her more information. So the egg grows in the womb. And the womb is like a nest. So a bird has her eggs in her nest. And actually, she drew that parallel. And I say, yes, yeah, so the womb is like a nest. And the egg travels down the fallopian tube and um, implants in the side of the womb. And that's where the baby grows. Again, we don't need to give any more information from that. You know, how does the egg get there? So yeah, the egg is in the ovary, travels down the fallopian tube, embeds in the womb. Um, and it's really, really interesting because whenever she asks another question, she's ready for that answer. They only ask the question um, that they're ready for. 
that the information that they're ready for. So whilst we, if it's something we're really, really passionate about, like going back to the example of the, of the sun and the earth rotating, sorry, the moon and the earth rotating, um, we might be, if we're really, really passionate about the solar system, about planets, we might really want to give the whole information about the solar system and how everything works, but we have to hold back and think really, really carefully about what our child is actually asking and then answer that question and let the other questions come in their own time and it's really hard because we're really keen and we want to share all of our knowledge but just hold back answer the question let them um what do i mean integrate it take it in integrate it and then they'll ask another question when they feel ready as i said about the the subject of um how uh, how uh, olivia got inside my tummy how i get how she got to grow inside my tummy um, for the past year, we've been having these questions, but it's still very much repeating the information we've had, and then she'll ask for a little bit more. She hasn't asked more, and she knows how she was born. She knows how Harry was born. They were born in two different ways. and um, But there's no... She doesn't need any more. I don't need to pull out a book on sex education and tell her teacher about the birds and the bees, you know. They're, she's she's not ready for that. She's ready for the questions she's asking. So that's a really, really important um, part for us to remember as parents. Um, I don't mean hold back information in terms of not being truthful. I mean hold back because we sometimes want to give all of the information we know. We want to be the encyclopedia and give all the information we know. Instead, if we can just hold back and think, okay, how can I answer the question that's being asked of me right now? And also what's really, really important I put in my notes is if we don't know the answer or we don't know how to explain it, it's really totally fine and okay to say, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to find out. Or can we find out? If it's an older child, a reading child, you can say, okay, it's going to be really fun to find out together and go to the library or get an encyclopedia. We want to kind of avoid um, on... Uh, uh, that's a really good question. Hi, Yesatam. Thank you so much for your question. I think there's a bit of a delay, but that was exactly what I would, the, what the the point that I was saying just then, is um, if my kid. Uh, so Yesatam has asked if my kids uh, ask me something and I don't have an answer, what should I do? So what I was just saying is um, say that you don't have the answer. Be completely honest, simple, clear, and truthful is absolutely imperative with our children say I don't know the answer to that or I'm going to have to think about that both of those are fine it's better for us to be authentic with our child and say that we don't know or we need some time to think about it um, or if it's an older child and you're reading or it's going to be appropriate you can research you know research together those are the options I don't know so I'll need to find out um, I don't know how to answer that right now let me think about it or well, the third option, let's find out together and let's do research. Let's go to the library tomorrow and find out together. Um, so if you don't know what the answer is, it's perfectly okay to say that you don't know and then source the information from somewhere else. Or um, Because I think it's more important to be authentic with our children than anything else because we may feel 
uh, you know, on the spot, like we're in a job interview, if they ask, or like the question about where the babies come from, you know, so a lot of parents can like freeze and feel like they're in a really important job interview because they don't know how to answer it at the child's level. But it's in any scenario, if we don't know the, the, the answer, then we should take time to center and ground ourselves before we try and fudge an answer because they will, what we don't want is them to go away with incomplete information um, or information which, if it's something going to be really, really important, like where babies, um, hi Sam, where babies come from, or um, something about death or something about inequality, something that's going to be really, really important in their lives that they understand well, we don't want to, um, we don't want to get it wrong first time. I'm not saying that we're not going to make mistakes, of course we are, but it's really, if, if it's possible for us to just take a break and say, let's do some research for a couple of hours or let's go to the library tomorrow, that's going to be more valuable than rushing in and trying to answer, answer something on the spur of the moment that we're not quite ready to answer yet. Um, so I hope that helps your question, uh, hopes that helps with your question, Yasatan, to just um, uh, take a bit of uh, breather, take some space so you can sort of compose your thoughts and know how you want to, how you want to answer it. And I think it's okay to do that. And I think in the real world we do that as well, don't we, with friends or at work. If we don't know the answer, we'll say, oh, let me find out and I'll get back to you. So I think it's good to have that level of authenticity with our children as well. Excuse me one moment. So to recap, our two approaches when children of any age ask us anything. Um, hi, Yoga House. When our children ask us any of those tricky questions, the two things for us to know are um, we discuss topics as they come up. So we, that example was talking about um, if there's a, uh, a death in the family, <laughs> um, if there's a, a, a death in the family or of a pet or a grandparent or what have you, that would be the time to talk about death. We don't need to bring it up as a topic beforehand. If it's something that directly affects them, then, um, then it's important that we address it so there's no gaps. Um, but we don't need to have conversations um, really, really early on about things that they aren't ready for. When it's really a matter of trust for us as parents and caregivers and educators, when our child is ready for the answer, they will ask the question. When they're ready for that information, um, you know, Olivia's coming up to seven. She uh, doesn't know how babies are made at all, and she's not even anywhere near, um, even though obviously she's, she's at school and, and there's millions of other influences from her in the world, you know, uh, we don't, I don't feel the need to start talking in depth about really, really difficult topics. When they come up, when she asks the questions, I will ask everything as honestly as I can. And um, if I don't know, I'll find out. But I only bring up topic. Uh, sorry, I I wait for her to bring up a topic um, that's or something that's directly affected her or us as a family, and then we'll discuss it. I don't say I don't know. Right, we're going to have a 
theme of death this week and let's talk about death do you know what I mean or making babies or anything like that it's very much must be child-led if we think back to our Montessori practice our work is child-led what is the child interested in what are their needs what are their questions what are they curious about at the moment and we let their questions guide us so that's the first thing um, only answer um, questions that, sorry, only discuss topics that they are interested in, that they've asked questions about. And the second thing is when they do ask those questions, answer the question that they have asked. We don't need to give all the information about any topic. Think about the question they have asked and just answer that question. I gave the example early on about um, uh, how babies are made. Uh, sorry, where she said, oh, how did I get in your tummy? Well, I know that I grew in your tummy, mummy, so how did I get there? And then I explained that when every girl is born, uh, she has all of the eggs that grow into babies inside of her when she's born. And so you, Olivia, like your brother, you were one of those eggs and you grew into babies. And that was a year ago she asked that question. And since then, different questions have then um, come from that saying, where is the egg in the body? And then how does the egg grow and all those things? So I explained the eggs in the ovary, comes down the fallopian tube and then grows in the womb. Um, and every single time I answer the question that she has asked and then stop and we wait for that information to be digested to be integrated in their body and then we wait for the next question the next question may be five minutes later it might be five weeks later or it might be six months later um, a child's way of processing things is very different and a lot lot slower than an adult's so they only ask the questions that they are ready for the answers for so we must be sure that we're answering the question that they ask and nothing more and then wait for the next one to come and that's where a deep level of trust comes from us and if we don't know the answer then it's totally fine to say i don't know i'm going to find out and then let you know tomorrow or i don't know shall we find out together and we'll go to the library tomorrow and do some research and it's also okay um to, what was the third thing? I can't remember what I said. But, uh, oh yes, it's to say the third thing is, I don't know, but let's have a, um, let me have a think, and then I'll speak to you in 20 minutes or something like that. So it's okay, and as um, Yazatan said very, very uh, kindly earlier on in, our, in, the, in the chat um, box, we're human beings, we're not robots, we're not. We might think that we need to know everything as parents, but our children aren't expecting us to know everything. It's really of huge value for us to be authentic um, and in alignment with our values and better to say, hang on, I don't know the answer and really think about our response. You know, some of these questions are difficult to answer, to think, okay, am I gonna respond at the right level? Am I gonna respond in, in a developmentally appropriate way? So it's best for us to take some time and be honest with that and say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Or if it's an older reading child and the question they've asked, it's appropriate, you can say, let's find out together. Um, let's go to the library or ask someone who knows more than me. And it's also to say, um, okay, to say, I know the answer, but I need to have a think about how I want to explain this to you in a really useful way and give yourself some time. Um, so that's what we can remember when our children ask us those tricky questions. So yes, I don't have any perfect answers for any tricky questions, but just remember the child is ready for the question they are asking. They will only ask 
um, questions that they are ready for. And we must just answer what is being asked of us and nothing more. We don't need to give our full encyclopedia of knowledge about any topic. We like everything with our child. We let it be child-led. We see what their interest is and then we invite them. We provide this safe space that they can ask more questions, that they can be more curious. We want them to be curious and want them to ask questions. And so um, we can look within ourselves to think about the safe space we're creating to, our, for our, to invite our child into asking um, more questions and to be curious about everything that um, is around them. And then as we answer their questions gradually, they integrate things and then that's how they're forming their picture of the world. Um, but don't worry, we don't need to know the answer to everything. It's okay to take a break and say, I don't know, let's find out. And um, yeah, it's, children will appreciate our authenticity um, at whatever level they are, whether they're a little toddler or they're a teenager, they will appreciate our authenticity in our answers and they will appreciate us taking time to respond um, to them because it shows our respect for them if we take the time to find out what it is um, that they want to know and that we take the time to consider our answer before answering. So thank you so much for joining me. Lots of people came in this evening. And if anyone has any further questions before we sign off, do um, type them through now. Sorry, my phone just made a beep. I had a reminder for nine o'clock. Um, thank you so much for joining me. And please do keep sending in your questions for Top Tip Tuesday. These, I'm getting such good questions at the moment um, from people, really interesting ones. And um, what else can I tell you is going on? My last episode of the Montessori Mission podcast with Sid Mohandas, that was released last week. When was it? Thursday, Friday, I released that. And um, do have a look on my feed on YouTube and Spotify, Spotify, Apple. Um, <laughs> thanks, yes, Atan. Um, uh, and on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts for that. Uh, oh, I've had a really good question. Hi, Aruhat. Um, Aruhat's question is, how do we correct ourselves if we've already made the mistake of giving them uh, the completely wrong answers? Um, <laughs> it happens. Firstly, don't beat yourself up. Um, do you know a really good, uh, a really, really good technique with our children is whenever we're talking about things that are um, important we want them to have a lasting impression on them it's really really good to do that last thing at night as they um, slip into sleep as we're lying with them um, in bed uh, before they fall asleep that would be an opportunity to talk about something which is either tricky or uh, difficult to understand or um, something that's happened during the day that wasn't uh, that was either really really incredible that we want to keep in their mind, or something that happened during the day at school or with their friends that you know that was difficult for them. So what you could say is whatever your topic is, if you could um, uh, let me know uh, the what the what the topic was, what the subject was that you think you got it wrong, um, you could lie with them and say, oh, you remember we were speaking about whatever it was. So lie with them just before they fall asleep and say, you remember we were talking about that? And then um, you can say, well, 
you know, that was my understanding last week, but, you know, I've done some more reading, and what I think now is dot, 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 and then you can invite them, depending on the age of your child, you can invite them, or what do you think? Um, and you could correct it like that. I don't think we need to worry too much. If we've made a mistake, we've made a mistake, and that's okay, and that's been human. But if you did want to add a different perspective or a different dimension to something that you've said, um, or, I don't know, if something you found out subsequently is incorrect information, then a really good way to do that is to be honest, completely honest, and say, I said this, I believe that was the time, but now I know that that's not true and this is true. Just being completely honest really, really helps. But anything that you really want to go deep into the subconscious, you want to do last thing at night. This is because the brain moves into um, slower brain waves, and that's when we access the subconscious. Anyone who does meditation or listen to any work by Dr. Joe Dispenza will be really familiar with this. I know Diane was on here earlier. Diane is also a Dr. Joe Dispenza fan, like I am. Um, so as our brain, and actually it's worth knowing that children's brains are in theta, or theta, in, for the first six years of their life. They're in, the, they're in the really slow brain waves, like sleep, for the first two years. Then from two to six, it moves into theta. And that's why young children have what Dr. Mossery termed the absorbent mind. That is why children absorb and, um, everything unconsciously with all five of their senses during the first six years of life, because their brain waves are actually slower. So anything that we want to really um, implant into their brains, into their subconscious, some really beautiful subconscious programming, it's good to do last thing at night just before they're falling asleep. So if you do affirmations, I do affirmations for the children every night. We talk about that. We do the affirmations last thing at night as we're lying together. They have a huge floor bed and I just lie in between them and I do the affirmations for both of them. We also take that time to discuss um, things that went really, really well during the day, things that they really enjoyed, because we want to create this beautiful, positive, emotional footprint on um, in their brain, in their amygdala, um, of something really positive, something really beautiful that happened, an amazing memory. Um, uh, oh, great, thank you. So Arahat said, yeah, thanks. The last thing at night makes so much sense. Feels like a great opportunity to rectify. Yeah, it is. Last thing at night is a really, is a really um, powerful way of doing it. And we can add so many beautiful positive affirmations in there. So for example, we spent the afternoon on the beach and we were with friends and um, flying kites. And Olivia loves kites. And just as we went to sleep, then I did her affirmations, and then I said, oh, it was so lovely on the beach this afternoon. She said, yeah, I really loved flying uh, Imogen's kite. And so we had a long conversation about how much she loves kites. And, and I said, oh, do you remember the smell of the sea? And it was so windy, that was why it was so good to fly the kite. So in all of that conversation, that's going into her subconscious mind. That's an imprint, an emotional imprint on her amygdala of how wonderful it was to have that feeling of the three girls with us, with her and Harry and my friend, and flying the kites and smelling the sea. And uh, there was loads and loads of crows and hearing the crows squawking. It was really, really windy. That's left a beautiful emotional imprint in her amygdala, on her heart of that memory. And equally, if there's something that is negative that's unpleasant that's happened during the day. It's a really good time to do it, to talk about it and unpick it at the, uh, as they're falling asleep. So if you know something happened at school or with friends at a play date, that's the time to say, 
oh, I know you had a really, really tough day today and you seemed upset after the play date. Um, would you like to talk through what happened? And then we can um, invite our child to express their feelings so they're not going into their sleep state holding all this baggage. You can say, oh, let's release it now. How do you want to release it? Shall we do some deep breathing together? One of the really lovely practices, actually, that I do with Olivia, um, um, Harry releases his feelings um, uh, in a very intense and often extreme way, whereas Olivia tends to hold things in a lot more. So a practice I do with Olivia when I know she's had a tough day and if she doesn't want to speak is that um, when Harry falls asleep first, so I'll turn over and I'll lie next to her and we'll face each other. And I'll invite her to put one, heart, one hand on my heart and I'll put my hand on her heart and then we'll breathe together. And we have a little lamp in their bedroom, so I say, oh, let's look into each other's eyes and we'll breathe together. And even if she doesn't want to speak about what happened, I'll say, I know you had a really, really tough day. And still breathing and looking into each other's eyes, hand on each other's hearts and say, I know you had a really tough day. And I want you to know that I'm here for you and it's safe for you to tell me whatever you're going through. And uh, we're going we're gonna to work this out together. We're going to make a plan together. Just so that she knows that she can trust me. She knows that um, I've got her back. I'm always there for her. And when she feels ready, she's going to tell me about what happened. She said actually this evening that, oh, yeah, I wasn't very happy this morning. I'm not ready to tell you about it yet, but I'll tell you tomorrow maybe. And then I just, I can relax. She can relax. She knows that I know that something's up. And she knows, hopefully, that she's feels safe enough. She can trust me with whatever it is she's going to tell me, whatever it is that happened. She can tell me and we're going to make a plan together. So that was a really, really long-winded way of saying um, last thing at night is a really, really good way to make positive imprints, whether it's affirmations, whether it's recalling beautiful memories of the day, or whether it's um, supporting them with something they're struggling with at the moment. Last thing at night as they move into the slower brainwaves is the time to do it. So thank you so much for joining me and um, please keep sending in your questions. The Montessori Mission, as I said, episode 10's just been released. I am on course to publish the Montessori Mission podcast book at the end of December. Eek, December is tomorrow. I haven't got much more time, but it's really, really fun. It's been such an amazing project. Do go on to my feed. You can look on my highlights. All 10 of episodes on my feed. All 10 episodes are on um, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, on Spotify. Spotify. Um, uh, you can search for Montessori Mission. They're all also on my website, which is enrichingenvironments.com. My next mentoring program will start in the first week in January, and I can't wait to see you all for that. Until then, keep me posted on your DMs, uh, on the DMs of what you're getting up to, what questions you have, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye-bye.